You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games. Used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert, so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to any event that I want to go to. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days, and where we very occasionally, like today, dabble in a little bit of football, too. This is episode number 42 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 334th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the afternoon of Friday, September 1st, 2017. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Remember, if you can't catch one of our shows live on our YouTube channel, you can always catch up with our podcast, which is available everywhere. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. All righty, well, let's begin this week how we begin every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And before we start talking some football, our banner moment deals with the basketball program. And this week's banner moment is actually two moments combined into one, and they are the reports published at Inside the Hall this week about the recruitments of Keon Brooks Jr. and Trace Jackson Davis, for which adjectives like great and terrific are now being used, which is always a good sign. Now, why is this so important? Well, because Brooks Jr. and Jackson Davis are two of the top players in the state of Indiana for the class of 2019, and two of the top players in the entire country, and both guys have the size and length to add new dimensions to Indiana's roster. Brooks is 6'7", already a five-star prospect, and the entire Brooks clan took an unofficial visit to Bloomington this past week. Summing up the trip, his father, Keon Brooks Sr., said of Archie Miller, I think he's got it going in a great direction. He's really putting some pieces together to really bring Hoosier basketball back to being one of those top perennial teams in the country. Jackson Davis, the son of former Pacer big man Dale Davis, is 6'8 and still growing. He's a four-star prospect who has the potential to become a five-star himself. He also took an unofficial visit to Bloomington this week, playing pickup games with current players and attending last night's IU-Ohio State football game. According to his stepfather, Indiana has done, quote, a terrific job of recruiting him. Now, look, there is no question that Archie Miller has already done well on the recruiting trail, getting solid four-star prospects like Race Thompson, Jerome Hunter, Demise Anderson, and Robert Finnessy in the fold to lay the foundation for the program he is building at Indiana. Now, getting guys like Brooks and Jackson Davis is the next step toward banner number six, and it sounds like Indiana is in a great position with both. All righty, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this afternoon's show, to my left is a young man who is entering his third year as an Assembly Call intern. This year, he will be our director of shareable content and will continue to host the Hoosier Life, providing coverage of the other 23 IU sports. 
And yesterday, he completed his transition from Northwestern-loving Chicago native to crimson-blooded Hoosier and Bloomington resident by reporting live from Memorial Stadium while wearing his Cutters t-shirt. He is Michael Dugan. (laughs) Michael, this is a basketball show, as you know, but IU football has been the big story this week. Give me your overall thoughts about yesterday's epic game day and what it meant to you as a student. Well, from a student's perspective, the first thing that we have to talk about is there was actual hype surrounding an IU football event. So this is a milestone in itself. It's no secret this is a basketball school. And the the support, I would say, the hype surrounding the football team is certainly not up to par with many other Big Ten schools. But since I got here, we've, we've been to a bowl game the first two years I've been here. So there's there's definitely been hype building up. But last night was kind of... I don't want to say the peak because obviously we can't see into the future, but it kind of feels like we're entering this golden era of IU football for the first time in who knows how many years, how many decades. So the, the first thing that, that I think we have to, to mention is that there's actual hype. The students cared about the football instead of, you know, just tailgating and enjoying the nice weather in the day. The people actually cared about the football and people were invested in the game. And, and by people, I mean the entire student section, which was full on both ends um, of that west side of the stadium. So it was, a, it was an incredible environment. It was by far the most energetic, enthusiastic, and hyped-up football environment I've been in, in in my now, this is my third year here. So it's definitely a big step for, for the culture of football here at Indiana. And the football itself was okay for, you know, about 25 minutes or so before it all <laughs> went awry, which we will talk about. All right, to my right, we have a man who is kind, generous, and intelligent. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is someone who I am guessing regularly volunteers at animal shelters and helps old ladies cross the street. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what Indiana sports-related topic would you like to rant about this week? For once, you were nice to me on my intro. Wow, that was that was impressive. That's because we're going to fight uh, later, so I figured we should yeah, start. Yeah, I know. Just setting it up. No, I look, I think that it was great last night for the program to show off. I thought that they came out, were game, uh, you know, held a lead for a while, played well. Um, but I think there was some serious cracks in this team in, in the IU football team. And, and I think that we're going to talk about it later. I think Richard Lego is, uh, did not have his best game. And I think he had to, for that team to, to pull off a win. Um, I, I, I thought that at times he looked like he was a much better quarterback this year than he had been last year, who was, I mean, a maddening quarterback last year would make a bunch of great throws, had all the arm strength and everything you could want, and then would make some boneheaded plays. And I, and I thought that for the most part in the first half, uh, he kept that second half under wraps and didn't make the boneheaded plays. I thought in the second half, he looked pretty bad. And, um, I, I think that, you know, hopefully it was just because Ohio state, was a very good team that that he started to look shaky in that second half because if he is not up to par, this Hoosier team is going to have problems on offense this year given that they can't run the ball. And, and hopefully that changes again against a, a, a against teams that aren't as good as Ohio State. Ohio State might have the best defensive line in the country. So, you know, hopefully, again, that changes. Uh, one thing I will say is that Simi Cobbs was unbelievable last night, and he will continue to be unbelievable for the rest of the year. No question. All righty, well, here's what we are going to discuss this week. We will talk a little bit more about the IU-Ohio State game and where the football Hoosiers go from here. Ryan and I will debate the performance of Richard Lego, and we will discuss the chant heard round Memorial Stadium last night that should never, ever, ever be chanted. Yes, I have a rant about this. Uh, plus some interesting IU basketball headlines, including who other college coaches think was the best hire of the offseason. And then we answer your questions. All of that and more on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, hey, Assembly Call Radio is sponsored by SeatGeek, as you know. Remember that when you need tickets to a sporting event, a concert, or most really any other live event, check SeatGeek first to ensure that you get the best deal. And then use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, when you make your first purchase so that you can get $20 back after that purchase. Now, if you didn't get a chance to go to the IU Ohio State game, perhaps because prices were too high or it was a weekday or you didn't want to deal with the parking issues, there are two games coming up with tickets on sale for less than 20 bucks a pop. That's September 16th when Indiana hosts Florida International and on September 23rd, the Hoosiers host Georgia Southern. Given how tough the Hoosier schedule is this year, both, ga- both games are close to must wins, uh, as close to must wins as you can get early in the season. So those are really important games. To find the best tickets, to find the best prices on tickets to any IU football game, visit the URL iufbtickets.shop, not .com, .shop. That's iufbtickets.shop. That is actually our affiliate URL, meaning that when you use it to browse tickets at SeatGeek, we get a commission whenever a purchase is made. 
In other words, you get a great deal on IU tickets and you help support the assembly call, which is a win-win. Again, the URL, iufbtickets.com. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Michael Dugan talking, for this week anyway, about IU football. And, Ryan, let's talk a little bit more about that performance from last night. And, you know, you tweeted something interesting last night. Late in the fourth quarter, you said something to the effect of, guys, I think Ohio State may just be a little bit better at football uh, than Indiana is. And this is I said, yeah, I was going out on a limb here, and I'm just going to you know, stick with me, though. I mean, it's- and this is, of course, true. I mean, everyone knows this. But I'm, I'm wondering, did all the talk of breakthrough and people talking about possibly spraying an upset because of how close these two teams have played in the past and game day and the excitement, did that create unrealistic expectations that Indiana was destined to fall short of, do you think? No, I don't think for anybody that knew anything about football, I think that most people expected what happened. They expected Indiana to come out and, and put on a really good show in the first half, which they did and hang hang with them but then when that adrenaline wore off when ohio state settled in uh when they you know when the newer defenders sort of locked in and and gave up on their nervousness and their jitters uh, you got what you expected and you got ohio state running away and wearing indiana down and that's what happened indiana you know indiana got worn down the offensive line got worn down uh the defensive front got worn down uh these are bigger stronger athletes on ohio state they are better football players i mean you gotta remember these they are recruiting the cream of the crop and indiana is recruiting solid players and certainly better players than they were five years ago but there's still a big talent deficit and you know when you're looking at the fifth and sixth receivers of ohio state could easily be starting for indiana the fifth and you know the third and fourth running backs could be stars in indiana um, the receivers? So you, I don't know. Indiana's receivers are pretty good. Well, the receiving core is good, is great. No, I you know I'm just maybe the, maybe out. the linemen. Yeah, I was throwing out positions. Yeah. You know, I wasn't. But no, Indiana's a great receiving core. So okay, fine. Forget I said that. But their backup linemen could be starting at Indiana. You know that kind of yeah. thing. Um, so certainly, I just think that after a while, Indiana that talent deficit just warmed down, and I think that most people expected exactly what happened. Um, I think that it was more. People going in wondering whether or not Ohio State would cover, then whether or not Indiana would win. Um, but that said, you know, Indiana certainly believed they could win, and, and they played like they believed they could win for a long time. Um, you know, a few plays go a few different ways, and maybe it's a much closer game. But towards the second half, you just started to see the, the field tilt, uh, and, and it looked like Ohio State was running downhill. Michael, as we kind of start to look forward to, I mean, obviously, look, this was always going to be a tough game. It was probably going to be a loss. And and that now really makes these next three games important for Indiana, given what they have coming when the Big Ten schedule resumes. It's tough to call any games must-wins this early in the season, but these next three games, at Virginia and then home against Florida International and Georgia Southern, was pretty close to being must-win games, don't you think? It's it's as close as it gets. I, I think you know if picture a scenario where they lose at Virginia next week and you start the season zero and two playing in the Big Ten East, a team that's not, you know, c- certainly not in the top half of the Big Ten East with, with how top heavy it is, especially with you know we don't know what Michigan State's going to do this year. I I would almost go as far as to consider them must win games straight up. I don't think that Indiana can afford, especially with what they showed last night. Their porous offensive line their inability to run the ball and I mean you got to give their defense credit they did all they could but the offense couldn't move the ball so the defense was on the field for pretty much the entire second half but I think with with all the holes that this team has to fill fewer than they did at this point last year I think they have to pick up all these non-conference wins they can get and then they play Rutgers Illinois Purdue in conference those should all be wins that's their six right there but it's starting 0-2 with the schedule that they have is just it's Far from ideal. I, I think that these are these are must win games straight up. Well, and at some point, I mean, not to jump in, but at some point, you know, the program has to get beyond the goal just being to go to a bowl game and, and to to get six wins. You know, at some point, you're putting money into this program. I mean, they they've they've upgraded the facilities. They they're enclosing the other end zone. They're you know, and, and that's great. And that stuff is is fantastic for the school alone. Forget the football program, but I think that. It's at some point you've got to demand more than that. I realize Tom Allen's in his first year. I realize they don't have, uh, you know, usually Indiana is good when it has a next level quarterback. And we'll talk about that level later. But when they have a sort of a guy who can make things happen, um, 
And and this is just I, I think that at some point you've got to start expecting the team to do more. And that's what the breakthrough to me is about. It's not just about going to a bowl game. It's about getting to eight wins. It's about, get, you know, building on those things, getting better recruits, breaking through and, and finally, you know, pulling in more talent and things like that. It's not just about winning one big game and it's not just about, you know, making yourself bowl eligible. It needs to be about something else eventually. One hundred percent. I want to echo that. This is the third. They went six and six the last two years, four and eight the year before that could have gone six and six if Sudfeld were healthy. But six and six back to back years. It always kind of feels like in these situations in the third year is when you need to break through is when you need to make that next step. Beat a Michigan, beat a Penn State, win seven or eight games. And obviously it's way too early to tell. We're in week one. Week one's barely even getting started. But you know, this is a team that needs to take that next step sooner or else this fan interest that may be peaking right now is going to start dwindling away. And this program is going to take a step back. Now, I, I don't want to sound the alarm too early. This season's not lost. But, I, I mean, they, as far as this season goes as a whole, they need to start thinking big picture with this. Because this, this, the play last night is not going to get it done. They're not going to break through anything except the five-win barrier at this point. So, you know, the what Ryan said is absolutely correct at some point and hopefully this season, but some point soon they need to break through six and six is no longer enough. This is the third year that they would potentially go six and six. They need more than that. Yeah, there's no question. And I mean, I think Tom Allen has raised the expectations talking about the breakthrough. And at some point, it's got to be more than about talk. You you do actually have to do it. All righty. Coming up on the assembly call, we will continue discussing last night's IU football game. We will debate Richard Lego's performance and talk about the worst chant in all of sports. That's coming up. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball and football this week with my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Ryan Phillips, and our special guest, Michael Dugan, host of The Hoosier Life. Guys, let's talk real quick about Richard Lego. Ryan, you had some choice words for him last night on Twitter back in our first segment. Um, I want to say this about Richard Lego. I, I don't think he played a great game by any means because certainly you have to take the game in totality, and he was not very good in the second half. He made some of the decisions for which he has become unfortunately known, which were not good decisions. But to just dwell on that is to ignore how well he played at times in the first half. And I think given how little Indiana was able to run the ball and how, how good Lego looked and how, how good of a job he did driving Indiana down the field you know, on a few of those drives in the first half... I think singling him out for criticism after a game like this, it just seems like he is way, way down the list of guys that we should criticize. Now, the problem with this year's Indiana team is he is essentially, at least if, if we take anything from this game, if they're not going to be able to run the ball, he's essentially going to have to play like an all-Big Ten quarterback every week for them to get wins. Now, they're not always going to be playing Ohio State, and hopefully the line will get itself figured out and the offense will have a little bit more balance. But I actually thought... On balance, it was it showed some growth for Lego. It wasn't perfect by any means, but I just think he should be lauded for some of the good plays he made to even put Indiana in a position to have a lead and to be in that game early. And I'm just not sure that he really deserves a whole lot of criticism given how many other phases of the game for Indiana failed last night. Oh, that's fair. I mean, it's fair that to say he wasn't the biggest problem. And I even said that on Twitter when we were discussing it. I, I just think that the problem with Lego and the problems we saw were the same problems he had last year, which is at times he looks like a deer in the headlights. He focuses in on one receiver. And if that guy isn't open, he just pulls the ball down and is ready to take a sack or, you know, make a really ridiculous decision with the football. Um, Look, but he also made some really good plays last night. too. He did early, early in the game. In the second half, he looked like a deer in the headlights. He just, he did. He just, he looked, and that's when I was talking about it. And I, and I even said, look, I'd be fine with a change of quarterback right now. See, and, few, and that, that I thought was ridiculous se- because well, for a few series, but, get him out, put another guy in there because they weren't, they weren't moving the ball on offense. They were doing, how nothing. were they going they were, to, I mean, they couldn't and block, they, were still they couldn't the run. Put Peyton Ramsey in there, let him run around. I don't know. Do something else. Change it up because, you know, I, I'm not again, I'm not saying remove him as your starter. I'm saying I, at this point, you're not getting anything offensively. Give them a different look. Give them something else, because, you know, maybe somebody creates a spark. 
And, and, and again, I look, if you're Lego in that position, you have to play the game of your life to win. Okay. You just did. You knew going in, you needed to, that wasn't a secret. That wasn't something that, that came up in the second half. And I felt like in the, as, as things got a little tighter and as Ohio state started playing a little better, he started bailing out, throwing t- three yard outs on third down. Uh, you know, his, his average yards per attempt went down to 6.3. Um, which is ridiculously low. He didn't take, I mean, look, if you're going to beat Ohio state, you have to take some shots down the field. He was not willing to do that. And then other times he just forced balls into coverage. Uh, he was lucky to not have, I think four, at least four interceptions, um, because it dropped pass because it dropped interceptions. Um, and, and it just felt like, you know, look, you're a senior. I, I it, you got to be a leader and and not be afraid in the pocket when these guys are coming at you. And I get it. It's Ohio state, the big, bad Ohio state, but you play in the big 10, you know, you're going to face fronts like that. And he was not standing in. He was not delivering passes. He was bailing out a lot. And look, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Lego for not being good enough. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Um, You know, talent is whatever it is for him, but he needed to be more of a leader and stand in there and take some hits and stand in there and deliver passes when things weren't going well. And I felt like he was just trying to bail out. It was almost like he was afraid to take a hit and, and that's fine if that's who he is as a quarterback. But if we're expecting Indiana to be better this year and have a better season than six and six, you need more than that from your starting quarterback. Who's a senior and is art. He's been a starter for a year. He, you need to see some development. You need to see him be better. And and look, maybe it's just because they were playing Ohio State. They have a scary front. They have a scary defense. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see some growth and see an improvement on last year throughout the whole game. Yeah, that first half, they look good. But the second half, it looked like last year. And it looked like some long stretches last year where he was a big problem for the offense. Michael, you want to break the tie on Lego? I, I will say this. I think that he did make some slight improvements from last year. I think last night we saw, and granted he threw the ball, what, 65 times? Yes. Um, We did see more good throws. I think there was a higher count of very good throws that he made, especially a couple of good back shoulder throws. That first touchdown to Ian Thomas was a great throw. He made some great throws to Simi Cobbs. But at the same time, he made some bad decisions. Like that scoop and score that got called back, was about a centimeter away from being the end of the football game at the start of the third quarter. So, and again, when he faces pressure in the pocket, Ryan, like you said, he can take the sack at times when that's the right thing to do, but other times he'll try and force a shovel pass that we've seen even last year against Nebraska. I think one got returned for a touchdown and basically put the game away. So he just panics against pressure. Exactly. Yeah, he, exactly. He panics against pressure and that's going to be a serious problem. If this offensive line play, that we saw last night continues throughout the season. So I will say point a, that he did make some improvements from last year and then he's, he's making more better throws. That sounds weird, but he's, he's, he's making good throws more often. I should say that sounds better, but at the same time, he still panics when he faces pressure in the pocket, which is a very, very concerning uh, sign going forward. Yeah. And, and look, I will say the biggest problem last night was not Richard Lego was the offensive line. They need to establish some kind of running game. I'd like to see Morgan Ellison get more time. I thought he looked good at running back and they just didn't, they went away from him too early. I thought he was much better than Mike Majette and, and some of the other guys in there. Uh, give that guy time. He looks really good. And, and so I'd like to see that. And the offensive line has to get better. Uh, if the offensive line doesn't get better, Indiana will be lucky to get to six and six. Yep. All right, you're listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Michael, du- Michael Dugan talking a little IU football the day after one of the biggest games in recent program history. Guys, I want to rant real quick. There was a moment, I believe it was in the second half. I don't know, maybe it was late in the first half, but you could hear an audible overrated chant, I believe, you know, when Indiana was ahead of Ohio State. Maybe it was when they were up 14-6. to six. And I hate the overrated chant for a number of reasons, but the the, the most important of which is... When you are an underdog and you are chanting overrated against a more highly ranked team that you are beating, you are essentially denigrating your own accomplishment by saying, hey, we are beating you, but you're overrated, so this really isn't all that impressive. So from that standpoint, it's just a dumb chant. Like if you're going to chant something, you want to chant something that gets under the opponent's skin or can have some kind of impact or is clever or something that's interesting to rally around for your fans – And the overrated chant has always struck me as one of the dumbest and most misguided 
of chance. Now, I don't think Ohio State is a uh, – I was going to say Ohio State is a professional football team. <laughs> they are, I mean, and they kind of are a professional football team. I don't think they, you know, heard an overrated chant and decided, okay, we're going to get these Indiana fans. But, you know, I think it was 29 nothing Ohio State after the overrated chant. Uh, I, let's take that as a lesson that from now on, don't chant overrated, especially when you're the underdog beating someone who's highly ranked and you know looking like you might pull off an upset. It's just one of the dumbest chants that there is. Am I wrong on this at all, or do you guys share my hatred for this chant? No, it's a moronic chant, and if you're going to do it, by the way, do it with like three seconds left in the game when you're up 20. Don't do it in the middle of the game. Don't do it early in the game, because then you look like an idiot like most Indiana fans did last night who were making that chant. So, yeah, it, look – if you're going to try and get away with that overrated chant, you got it. You got it. You got to pick your spot much better than Indiana fans did. Yeah, the night. only time I actually think the overrated chant is okay is if you are clearly the top dog on the field of the court. Like, let's say Indiana's ranked number one in basketball and Purdue comes in, you know, and they're ranked 20th and they've been doing okay and you're just blowing their doors off. You want to yell overrated then at Purdue? Fine. I'll, I'll give you that if you want to do that because you're chanting it from a position of strength and you're basically saying, we're awesome and you're not even as good as your less than us ranking. So if you want to do it, then fine. I say just put it in your back pocket, put it away. Don't ever take it out. Throw it in the trash. It's just one of the worst chants ever. Now, Michael, would you like to defend your student brethren, or do you agree with us on how awful this chant is? Oh, I'm not. I'm not defending my fellow students. I'm chalking it up as the worst chant ever. Especially, I don't know when which one you guys heard on TV because I heard multiple being right there in the student section it happened throughout the game it even happened in the first quarter which my buddies and i turned around and we're like this is really happening right now we're up seven to six 15 minutes into the game and people are chanting overrated it's the worst chant i think i've ever heard especially given the circumstances last night but this is coming from a student too guys so if there are any students listening to this take this from a fellow student i don't want to hear that at, at a football game ever again basketball jared like you said you know, if, if we get to number one or number two in the country at some point and Purdue's slightly below us where they should be, then then maybe that's okay to pull out. But I don't want to hear that inside Memorial Stadium ever again. All right, we got about 30 now, seconds. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Let, let me say uh, to the to the, not to rip totally on the students, they were unbelievable with their signs last night, they and were. they were unbelievable <laughs> with their uh, representation of the school and showing up at the game, something they need to do more of. Uh, I know that's bad coming from me because I'm a guy who who went to tailgates more than I went to football games when I was there but uh in my defense we were awful so thank you students you showed up you did a great job overrated chant we'll work on it that's a good point that is a good point I did think the fans were excellent last night outside of that uh but I just thought we had to issue that public service announcement that look just don't ever do the overrated chant again it's almost always the wrong choice okay uh, coming up on the assembly call, we turn our attention back to the hardcore Hoosiers and go through some important headlines from the week, including what other coaches are saying about which schools made the best offseason hire. That's coming up next. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly six-banner uh, Sunday news roundup delivered right to your inbox each Sunday morning so that you can stay up to date with your Hoosiers during the offseason and even once the season begins. The URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball now with my co-host on the Assembly Call, Ryan Phillips, and our student intern, Michael Dugan, who also hosts The Hoosier Life. And guys, it wasn't all IU football this week. There were some interesting headlines. Uh, number one uh, was Romeo Langford announcing his top seven. And then last night he tweeted out a, a little graphic featuring him in jerseys of all of his top seven. Uh, the top seven, in case you missed it, Kentucky, Louisville, Indiana, UCLA, Kansas, Vanderbilt, and North Carolina. And of course, front and center in the image last night, Romeo in his cream home jersey wearing number one. Uh, so not really any breaking news here. We assumed that Indiana would be in there. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people you talk to seem to think that Louisville, Indiana, and Kansas are kind of ahead of the other ones. Uh, but this is obviously one of the most high-profile recruitments that we've had in the state of Indiana for a while, so every little tidbit of news is followed and picked apart and dissected. So just a good sign that Indiana's in the top seven. 
Uh, but I don't know if there's really a whole lot else to take from this. Any comments, Brian? Uh, no, I, I think it's great that, you know, still in there. Um, <laughs> obviously, it would have been a real disappointment if if Indiana wasn't. But uh, Well, that would no, have been man. a real double whammy. Lose to yeah. Ohio State, and then Romeo says Indiana's not. Not make it. the top seven. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought I thought that uh, is good news for Indiana. Things continue to roll along in that recruitment, and uh, we'll see how things turn out. Uh, it will be it will certainly be interesting to see how that one plays out. So another interesting story. Uh, our buddy Gary Parrish from CBS Sports he does this candid, he does this candid coaches series uh, during the off season, and the topic this week was which power conference school made the best coaching hire. Uh, you guys want to take a guess at who finished number one on the list? I'm going to say it was Indiana. That would be my guess. It was I second Indi- that. Yes, and actually it was the three new Big Ten coaches that were 1-2-3. So Archie Miller got 37.8% of the vote. Brad Underwood, the new coach at Illinois, got 26.4% of the vote. And Chris Holtman got 10.4% of the vote. Uh, and Gary actually included this line in the article. So he says, quote, In fact, several weeks back, I was a guest on an Indiana-focused podcast. And the host... Ask the following question. If Archie Miller fails at Indiana... That counts as a double name drop, by the way. <laughs> if Archie Miller fails at Indiana, what will be the reason? I mean, it's a simple question, right? And yet, the question... This is Gary talking. The question caught me completely off guard because I'd never even considered the possibility. Honest to God, I've never once considered the possibility that Miller won't be great at IU. That's the best compliment I could give him. I think he's a home run hire. And then all of the, you know, the different quotes from the, the different coaches were talking about how Archie and his, you know, his blue-collar style will really... Uh, you know, fit well in Bloomington. They'll, you know, one coach said, I think he's going to have a mix of role players and star players, and it's going to be the closest thing to that style since Bobby Knight. Uh, so some really high praise um, for Archie Miller, which is just more reason to be excited about the hire. Again, you know, if you're looking for something negative about the fit uh, of Archie Miller in Bloomington, you got to keep looking because I haven't seen it anywhere. Uh, so more. Yeah, I mean, Something to consider is is just uh, when the hire was announced, I think a lot of people felt this way, felt that it was a great fit, felt that that Archie was the next guy in line for one of these big, you know, major conference, uh, big ticket blue collar or or, I mean, blue chip jobs. Um, But also when you look at the way he's handled himself since he's gotten to Indiana and all the things he's done and all the, you know, the changes he's made, the staff he hired, um, the the way he's gotten guys to buy in, things like that, uh, securing the recruits that he's re- that he's secured, uh, it just everything seems to fit perfectly, uh, you know. And of course, we haven't seen the team on the floor yet, so this is all you know. Just but from the off the from the off season perspective, he's done everything right, and he's hit the right notes, and he's and he's done the right things. He's brought in the right kids. He's he's certainly uh, moved everything forward for the program, and and I think that's a big big deal because I think that some people were hoping for um, maybe a bigger name. Some people wanted a quote Indiana guy, which we talked about repeatedly is idiotic. You get the best guy for the position. You don't go after the the a guy with ties to the school. You go with the best guy for the position. And then he becomes and an Indiana guy. Exactly. That's the point. Is it, you know, th- this whole thing about, oh, well, these guys know Indiana culture. Well, no, no, no. Good coaches create their own culture and good coaches develop a, a high level culture and that'll work itself out. You go get the best coach for the job. You don't worry about where they've been or who they've played for. Uh, and I think that Archie, um, really is it was the right hire at that time given the candidates available and and certainly uh it looks like it's been a great fit and and i i haven't seen anything that's made me feel like he won't succeed yet i mean that could change in the next few months uh i'm I'm not saying that archie's definitely winning a championship in indiana but i am saying that i think that right now i have no reason to believe as gary Parrish said that he won't be successful i'm saying archie is definitely winning a championship at indiana. yeah well you're that guy so it's <laughs> Michael, what's the feeling on campus? I mean, obviously, Archie has a much different personality than Tom Crean, who is very much, you know, kind of a rah-rah guy. And when Crean took over, it was, I mean, totally different circumstances. He really had to rebuild enthusiasm for the program. And I think even though last year wasn't good, this is still a program that's won two of the last five Big Ten titles. And so there's some remnants of, of enthusiasm, obviously, still from those performances. Uh, but is there now kind of a, you know, a fresh, new enthusiasm with Archie Miller there that you're sensing on campus? 
Well, it's oddly refreshing as this is. It's tough to tell right now because since I got on campus, a lot of the hype was for last night's game. So that's both good and bad. But going back to last year when I left campus for the month or two after they hired Archie Miller, it was, I mean, people were already ready for basketball season, even kind of with that sour taste still in everyone's mouth from, from last season. People were, we're ready. We're I mean, always ready a, for basketball season, Michael. We're always that's ready true. for basketball we're, season. I should, I should have thought about that one. But um, no, people, people were ready, I, I would say, not quite at the level that they were after the 2015-2016 season, just because of all the hype that um, at the time Indiana was rightfully getting. Um, we won't dive into the last season at all. But I mean, the last... Please don't. No. I don't never never I, speaking I about it again. What What season? Um, no, but people definitely toward the end of last year, and I'm assuming now that last night is over, people are going to be ready. People are talking about Hoosier hysteria already. I think Archie tweeted something out about that in the last week or so. So, I mean, pe- people are ready. I haven't gotten a great sense of it because of last night's game again, but people are ready, and the excitement is is there. It's there. I can tell you that. It's there. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Michael Dugan, taking a look at some of the headlines that affect IU basketball from this week. So here's a fun one, guys. I don't know if you saw this, but Victor Oladipo released his first single. Uh, he was actually quoted by Complex.com saying, What inspired me to put out my own music now is that I believe it is a gift of mine, and when God blesses you with a gift, you should share it with others. Uh, if not, then you're doing yourself and him a disservice. So he put out a track. It's his debut track. It's called Song For You, which puts a contemporary spin on Donny Hathaway's A Song For You. Did you guys get a chance to listen to this? Uh, Michael, lead off here. What were your thoughts on Victor's singing debut? Not really his debut. I, I actually, We've all heard him, but his first single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I listened to it this morning, and I've heard him sing before, like you said, uh, at the draft. After he got drafted, he had some post-draft interview where he was singing, and then we've seen him at stand-up and karaoke videos like that. But... As far as his first published, you know, professional more or less work, I was impressed. I mean, that guy, that's something that if that came on shuffle on my phone when I just had headphones in walking to class, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't doubt for a second that this guy's not a, a professional singer instead of a professional basketball player. So, I mean, it's a it's a good song and, and he does a great job with it. I was I was blown away. I don't want to sell him short. I was blown away. So yeah, I haven't I haven't listened to it yet. Actually, um, I will this afternoon. Uh, I had I had kind of a busy day yesterday with the I with the the football game and everything, so I didn't get a chance to to listen to it. But I have it all saved. Uh, one thing I will say is, you know, I thought my favorite time seeing Oladipo sing wasn't it, a lot of people will talk about Hoosier Hysteria where he came out and sang. I think that was great. My favorite was at I believe it was in New York when he was in the dunk contest and he yeah. came out in a tux singing New York New York. That was my favorite Oladipo singing moment. Um, so I don't know if this will top that, but I'll definitely listen. I'll tune in. Is there anything he can't do? I, yeah. No. The the, no. the amount of talent. I mean, it's perfect really... human being. I love Victor Oladipo. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So Michael, this this question is going to make me sound really old, but. I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, there's, there were a lot of effects on his voice, which I, I feel like he didn't need the effects because he's got a really good voice. Is that how all popular music is now, where there's just effects yes. on everybody's voice? I, I, I think it, that's, that's tough to, to answer with factual data to back it up because I think over the last 10 years, T-Pain was kind of the first guy to use what's known as auto-tune, which that, that's what you heard there, there. It was pretty obvious. But over the last 10 years, it's gotten – you know, as technology is improving, it's gotten much harder to tell where the edits are and, and where the, you know, cover-ups are and where they can kind of fix their voice. So I I, I don't want to name drop anyone because I have no idea, but I would imagine a lot of a lot of stuff out there now is is artificially tweaked to make everyone sound better than they actually are. I have a, I have a buddy who's an audio producer, and what he told me is that auto-tune can't make a bad singer sound good, but it can make a good singer sound great. Uh, and increase that. And sometimes they turn it up so much so that there's an effect on the voice that you hear that is like an effect they're trying to get for the sound as opposed to like trying to make the voice sound good. Um, but yes, I agree. I think that I- I'm kind of old school. I like the I like the natural sound of the voice, and and I don't think Victor needed it. You know who doesn't need heard- effects on his voice? Jim Cornelison. That's who. Oh, oh he you got that guy. <laughs> You're does. not topping that national anthem this year, anybody. Don't try <laughs> it. No, you're not topping that national. That was awesome to have him come back and the IU alum come back. And they finally got a flyover at Memorial Stadium, mm-hmm. something they hadn't had ever. 
Hey, and hat tip good. to Will DeWitt, one of our first interns, who had a big part in the Jim Cornellison coming back to sing the national anthem happen because he did it first for a basketball game and then came back for football. So Will's article that he wrote about that helped kind of kick that kick that off. So kudos to you, Will. Uh, Brian, I have to ask you about this story. Another one of Gary Parrish's articles, the most powerful person in college basketball. <laughs> Do you want to wager any guesses on who is the number one most powerful person in all of college Just basketball? Just say it, Jared. Just say it. Coach K, the most yeah. powerful. And the reason why, I mean, in addition to all the obvious reasons, but his affiliation with USA Basketball is listed as the number one reason why. I'm not, I'm not denying that he's the most powerful person in, in college basketball and in basketball in general. I absolutely wouldn't deny that. Doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean I'm happy about it, but, but he's certainly a very powerful guy. And look, and here's the thing is that what he's done with USA Basketball and what I think he and Kobe Bryant together did for USA Basketball was incredible. What Coach K did was he got Kobe Bryant to sign up to play in the Olympics and four, you know, four years out. And that made it cool again for guys to play in the Olympics. It, that that made it so the top stars all were like, oh, wow, Kobe's doing it. You know, and Kobe and Coach K went out and recruited those guys. And, and that was great for USA basketball. It was great seeing guys like LeBron James, like Carmelo Anthony, like Dwayne Wade all play with USA on their chest. I think it brought the NBA to a lot of people and and. and I think took it to a higher level because you created fans who were just going to watch the Olympics. You created more fans, seeing these guys together, seeing them have fun together, put them in a different light, I think. And uh, I thought it was great for the league. And, and so to do that, certainly he deserves the credit for that. What he does at Duke, we'll talk about another time. We've talked about it before. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Coach K and the way he coaches, the way he uh, handles himself around officials, the way that he talks about, you know, for years he talked about, you know, the one and done guys not being Duke style. And now he's basically created a second Kentucky and Durham. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's just he is who he is and he, he'll always be that guy. So, um yeah, whatever. Uh, he is who he is. John Calipari was number two. I thought it was interesting. Jim Delaney was number three, uh, with Ugh. obviously the creation of the Big Ten Network cited as the, as the most important reason. But also, they talked about how he has more influence over officiating than anybody, which I found interesting well, because might you use that influence to get good officiating in the Big Ten Conference? I mean, it is it, like, you know, we complain about I complain. Well, no, we, I complain about officials. It's the royal we. It's me. <laughs> In our, in our infinite wisdom, we uh, complain about officials a lot because it's universally accepted that Indiana's or that the Big Ten's officiating is awful in basketball, horrible, just terrible. Like they don't know the rules. And to mention officiating is part of the reason why Delaney is so powerful. It's like, really, dude? Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's, I, I'm not a big fan of Delaney either. So this list clearly wasn't up my alley. Uh, the, the last headline, a lot of the College Hoops preview magazines are coming out. Look for Robert Johnson because he is the cover boy uh, for the Indiana magazine. It's why, it's why Andy Bottoms isn't with us this week. Yes. He needs some alone time with his yes. Robert Johnson cover. Yes. Uh, our friends at Inside the Hall summarized Athlon's look at the Big Ten. Uh, and let's just say they aren't bullish on the Hoosiers. But I, th I feel like Athlon typically ends up not being very bullish on the Hoosiers. They picked Indiana ninth in the Big Ten. They have the Hoosiers not in the tourney. They have no Hoosiers in the top 100 players in the country. Michael, your quick reaction to that. Do you think that will prove true or do you think the Hoosiers are going to surprise people like Athlon who underestimate us? I think that they could surprise people. I really do. And I've I've heard some students say, oh, we're going to be terrible. I've heard some students say, oh, we're going to – we could win a game in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, the expectations are pretty all over the place or not even really expectations. I think no one really knows what to expect. The predictions for next season, rather, are kind of all over the place. But as far as, you know, ninth place goes in the Big Ten, I would be – I'd be a little disappointed because there's enough talent – coming back and with how great of a coach Archie is. And I feel like his style kind of fits the style of play that a lot of guys have already on the roster. And he certainly fits Indiana style in the big picture. But when you look at the teams, Iowa, Maryland, I, you would think at fir upon first glance, obviously not knowing what this team is going to look like yet, you would think that they should be able to play to the level and maybe even a better level than teams like Iowa and Maryland. So I think that ninth place is a little too bullish, like you said. Uh, I, I, I'd be a little disappointed if we were that far down come come the end of the season. A little too bearish. A little bit bearish, too. yeah. Oh, that's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say, yeah. Ryan, you're, uh, what are your expectations, by the way? Have they changed well, at all? I, 
look, I think that people are downgrading the level of talent on the roster because last year was such a disappointing season. You know, I mean, to not, you know, as when he's healthy, Juwan Morgan is a a guy who can impact a Big Ten game decisively. Um, I, I think that Robert Johnson's great. I think that Deron Davis is going to be fantastic. I think that people are just looking at last season and downgrading these guys like they did to Thomas Bryant heading into the NBA draft. I mean, people thought, oh, he might not get drafted. Well, this is a guy who was a top 15 pick the year before. He had a down year because everybody had a down year on that roster. So I think that you really need to take into account that everybody had a down year last year. And when you do that and you actually look at the talent in place and you look at maybe their performances from the year before or the expectations heading into last year and and, and think, okay, well, what happened if, if the influence was positive and if things actually worked out? I think you look at this team in a different light. There's plenty of talent. There is not a talent deficit. There are some holes on the roster that you would like to see better, you know, you know, some more depth that, um, but to act like this isn't as talented a team. And then you take a talent is silly. And then you take a talented team and you add a coach like Archie who will not let his teams fail and you will see the team get better. I don't think this is a run to the championship type team, but in a first year with a new coach, I think this should be a very competitive team. And I, I, I don't see how they miss the tournament. Um, I'd be very disappointed if they missed the tournament this yeah, year. Yeah, obviously Indiana not as talented as a Michigan State. This isn't a team that's probably no, going to compete for a national championship, but I think there's definitely enough talent uh, you know, to, to think that an NCAA tournament bid is, is a fair expectation. So, all righty, uh, coming up in our final segment, we've got a few interesting questions that you submitted via Twitter, and we will answer those here as we wrap up this week's edition of the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Michael Dugan. Wrapping up another week talking IU basketball. We talked a little IU football earlier. Uh, we've got a few questions that you submitted via Twitter, so we want to knock those out right here in our final five minutes. So Andrew sent in this question. He says, Archie only had two players over 6'9 at Dayton. Is that coaching preference or limited resources at Dayton? With IU looking at Forrester, are we committing to a small ball strategy for the future? So the answer to this is I don't think there's really anybody, any college basketball coach's strategy to just play with small guys. If you can get blue chip talent that has size and length, you're going to get it. So I think it's obviously, you know, there's only a certain number of those guys in every recruiting cycle, and it's obviously going to be a little bit harder to get them at Dayton than it is at Indiana. But, I mean, look, Indiana is in the mix for James Weissman, the number one player in the class of 2018. He's a big guy. Uh, Archie Miller is definitely going to be recruiting size, but not just any size. It's got to be size with skill and, and a guy with a mentality that's going to fit. Um, but no, by no means is Indiana committing to a small ball strategy. Uh, but what Indiana will be committing to is a versatility strategy. And obviously you've got to have a big guy who can be versatile, who can defend, you know, probably multiple positions, uh, you know, and, and who switch yeah, switch and, and who has skills that are going to complement what you're trying to do offensively. But if you can get good, versatile, athletic size, you're always going to try and get it. Yeah, no coach is ever going to turn that down. Look, you also have to remember that in at Dayton, and I don't think this was a preference thing at Dayton, but also in Dayton, he probably didn't need that much size in their conference You know that you need in the Big Ten. You have to have size in the Big Ten to compete. That's just the way the conference is. Um, and, and you know, in a major conference, you're going to have to have size, any major conference. So uh, he could get away with that probably at Dayton, but I don't think it was a preference thing. I think it was, again, just the limited – guys available who were willing to go to Dayton. Uh, so Indiana will be uh, a whole different animal, and I think we're already seeing them. There's not much size in this class, as, as we've seen and we've discussed multiple times. This year's recruiting class, there isn't much uh, quality size. So you're seeing him go with some bigger wing guys, maybe, who can maybe move down into that post area. Um, and, and so I think that is where he's gone in this class, gone for a little more versatility in that way, guys who can step in and step out uh, and have some length. Uh, but yeah, no, we're definitely going to get, going to see some big guys loading up. I think that that's fair to say, Michael, this question is from Brandon Brown, who will have more wins by the end of November, the IU basketball team or the IU football team? Uh, the basketball oh, team, I believe boy. has seven games in November, including the road trip to Seton hall and the home game against Duke. Uh, what do you think? I'm, I don't know. I have a hard time. I think Indiana is going to be undefeated at the end of November because I think they're going to beat Seton Hall, and I'm already on record saying they're going to beat Duke, and I don't think they're going to lose the other one. So I say the basketball team has seven wins, and I have the football team down for six wins this year. What do you have? Wow. I mean, that is 
wow, I don't even know how to begin to think about this one. This is basically a coin flip. Uh, it, for the sake of optimism, I'll go with what, what you said, Jared. With I'll go with basketball, uh, especially with what we saw last night. I think Archie Miller is off to a better start uh, with with his coaching career in Indiana than, than, the, than the football team is this season. Not to knock on Tom Allen. I think he's going to do a great job in the long run. But Love Tom Allen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely love Tom Allen. The students love him too. I think he'll be great. But, I, I mean – what we saw last night, especially in the Big Ten East, is not going to be an easy season. And I, I, I'm i with you, Jared. I think the Hoosiers have a shot against Duke in November. You put Grayson Allen on the floor with four freshmen that all want the ball in their hands. I think everything's going to go perfectly smoothly for them with that situation. <laughs> we're at home. Um, of course we have a shot. We are at home. <laughs> yeah. It's time to no, expect no, wins uh, when we're at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I'm calling this one a push. I'm going to say it's going to be six and six. It, realistically, I, I, I think it's a push, but for the sake of – making this interesting listening. I'll go with basketball. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Okay. Uh, Ryan, this is a question from our buddy Seawill. Who is the greatest Hoosier from Evansville? Lily King or the great Calvert Cheney? Oh, God, this is hard. Uh, Calvert Cheney, arguably the greatest IU basketball player of all time. I know in, in the hearts of one of our hosts here sitting here, he is. But Lily King and, has... And one of our hosts who isn't here. Yeah, Lily King has two Olympic gold medals. Four, she just won four gold medals at the World Championships, and, uh, the Long Course World Championships, and she had four gold medals and a silver medal at the Short Course World Championships in 2016. And she's only 20. Um, and she stared down the evil empire right down the barrel, called her shot, and won it at the Olympics. She's an American hero. I got to go with Lily King, but that does not discount Calvert-Cheney. I might go for Lily King as the greatest American alive right now. So I'm going with Lily King, and I would put Calvert-Cheney in an incredibly close second place. All right. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. We are out of time. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free assembly call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.